0: Happy Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Traditional way that Christians greet each other on Easter Sunday, which is an important Christian holiday, is one person will say, Christ is risen, and the other person will say, He is risen indeed. So today on Dwell on Truth, you're listening to Brenton Powers, and we have Dan Bodwin as well. What are we going to do today, Dan? This is a special episode. Well, today we're going to be talking about the hope of the Christian faith. There's going to be three parts of today's show.
1: First, we want to start at the beginning, and that's going through the scriptures and the story of Jesus that's actually told in the Bible. The first 15
0: minutes, we're going to read what's called a harmony of the Gospels in chronological order, so you can get the full resurrection story as it's written in the Bible. Second part of the show, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is a simple explanation of why the resurrection is important. And then the third part
1: of the show, Dan. I've got some actually responses to... What are some common objections to who Jesus Christ is and to Easter?
0: Three big objections to the resurrection. So it should be an interesting show, and I hope you're encouraged and educated what Christians really believe and why we believe it. So with that, where are we going to start, Dan?
1: Let's go ahead and start in Matthew 27. Uh, Gospels were written from different perspectives for different audiences, and we've done our best to just stitch it together so we get one continuous story. So starting in Matthew 27 with with the death of Jesus. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit.
0: And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were
1: filled with awe, and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Continuing in Matthew
0: 28, verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary
1: Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came, and rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him the guards trembled, and became like dead men.
0: lying there, but did not go in. And Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes.
1: While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city, and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders, and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers, and said, Tell people his disciples came by night, and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day.
0: John 20, verse 10. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she went, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had slain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? So she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know
1: where they have laid him. Matthew 28, starting with verse 5. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. John 20,
0: starting in verse 14. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Uh, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these
1: things to her. Luke 24, verse 10. Now it was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Luke
0: 24, verse 13 and following. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went
1: to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things? and enter into his glory, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread, and blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he Vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? I like that.
0: And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now we
1: jump to Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them, and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, and were marveling, He said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. John 20, starting in verse 26.
0: Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John 21, Jesus reveals himself verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into a boat
1: When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me.
0: Still in John 21, verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until
1: I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written now jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book but these are written so that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name from matthew 28 starting with verse 16 now the eleven disciples went to galilee to the mountain to which jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted Luke 24, verse 44 and following.
0: Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Amen. So those are the gospel accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about the resurrection. My reflections on the, that reading that we just did, I underlined the spots where it says all of this was according to Scripture. Mm. As we're going to read in 1 Corinthians 15, it's a reminder of the gospel according to Scripture. And the Scripture that they had at the time of Jesus' appearances on earth after his resurrection was just the Old Testament. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Thus it is written that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead. So as we've seen, there's scripture within scripture. The Old Testament was fulfilled in the New Testament. And so we have this prophecy fulfilled, which to me is one of the strongest evidences and arguments for Christianity, that the concept of the death, burial, and resurrection was not a new thing. That this was actually biblical, stretching back to the times of the forefathers and the prophets. Mm.
1: But you're absolutely right that we've got the story that we see of Jesus is something that we see throughout the Old Testament. It's not something that was just made up. It's very specific fulfillments of what god promised in his word from the beginning
0: now if we can get into 1 corinthians 15 we'll see how the apostle paul who is not one of the original four gospel writers how mm-hmm. he puts the gospel as it was revealed to him first corinthians 15 let's start in verse 1 to discuss the importance of the resurrection
1: first corinthians 15 got it now i would remind you brothers of the gospel i preached to you which you received
0: So we'll go through this, but in this first paragraph, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul reminds the Corinthian believers, they've heard the gospel already, but he reminds them of the most important points of the gospel. Number one, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's an important phrase, according to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. As I alluded to before, everything that Jesus did was a fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures. And I'm not sure about this, but at the time that Paul is writing this, there were other scriptures being written. For example, at um, some think that the first gospel written was Mark. And so, either way you look at it, Jesus' death for our sins was according to the scriptures. And Dan and I, as evangelists, want to remind you, our listeners here in the Monterey Bay area, or if you're listening through the podcast, remind you on this Easter Sunday that Christ died for our sins. This is one of the most important truths of the gospel. And gospel means good news
1: absolutely and it's the first thing that we need to recognize before we talk about the good news is the bad news and the good news is that jesus christ died for our sins but the bad news is that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and scripture tells us that our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked Um, ephesians chapter 2 says we are by nature children of wrath Um, that we naturally rebel against the God who created us. And because of that, we deserve his judgment, his wrath. Um, So that's why we have this thing called hell, this place of, of destruction and punishment that God created for Satan and his angels, but which we will experience as well because of our sin against God.
0: Yeah, Christ died for our sin, not only taking our sins upon him and taking the punishment for sin, including all of the physical suffering, the emotional suffering, the chastisement of insults that were hurled upon him, but he took the wrath of God for our sins Amen. in order to satisfy justice, that sins have to be paid for. And as we often say, either you have to pay for them, or you believe and accept that Christ has paid for your sins. So it's good news That's that right. Christ died for our sins because that means through faith in him, we don't have to die for our sins. He saves us from sin, from death, from Satan, and from hell. Hmm. And so the next point, as we continue on in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4, is that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So the burial and resurrection of Jesus is of first importance. If Christ only died and didn't rise from the grave, then Paul will argue, then we don't have hope. Both the death and the resurrection of Jesus are essential Christian doctrines. You don't have Christianity if there is no resurrection. That's right. If you can disprove the resurrection, then Christianity would be a house of cards, as many have discovered. Lee Strobel, for example, who wrote the case for Christ, he is an investigative journalist, and he looked into the evidence for this. He interviewed experts ranging from scientific doctors who looked at the type of death that crucifixion was to see if he could have survived that and and then appeared. So that's a good book. You can buy that and get the rebuttals to all these objections that people have to the resurrection. But personally, I like to start with what do the scriptures claim and what do the eyewitnesses claim? And it's consistent. The scriptures and the eyewitnesses are all consistent with each other. That Christ did indeed rise again on the third day. So on that topic of the Resurrection, since today is Easter Sunday, I like to call it Resurrection Sunday. Yes. Dan, do you have any comments about why is the Resurrection
1: meaningful to you? Well, yes. It's important because what really strikes me, particularly when I'm sharing this with people on the streets, is that many people have made claims to speak for God. Uh, Many people have, have claimed to be God's mouthpiece, or even to be God themselves. We can think about this in our own day and age with people like David Koresh or Jim Jones or the like. But those people that claim, you know, to speak for God do not have the credentials to back that up. The world's religious leaders, you know, many of them have claimed to be representatives for God, but they're dead and in their graves. But Jesus, prior to his crucifixion, actually prophesied, they will arrest me and they'll kill me and they'll bury me and all." raised myself up from the dead and he did that he actually gave proof gave evidence of who he was and that is a powerful thing because we don't serve a dead god we serve a living god Mm -hmm. and only christians can say that
0: amen It makes for a uh, powerful and hope-filled message indeed that's what makes it good news yes so, we'll talk more about the resurrection, but one of the proofs that Paul appeals to, as he's reminding us that this resurrection is so important, is all of these appearances. Jesus didn't like rise spiritually and then go straight to heaven. He actually rose bodily and gave infallible proofs that he was risen. As Luke calls it in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many. Proofs appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Hmm. I love that verse. I'll often preach that on the streets because Jesus doesn't just want us to have blind faith. He actually appeared many times over 40 days, including, as Paul says here, to Cephas, which is another name for Peter. Mm. He appeared to 500 brothers at one time. Mm -hmm. He appeared to James, and last of all, he appeared to Paul. And the James he's referring to is James, the Lord's brother. Yes. The one who wrote the the book of James. There was an apostle named James, but Jesus appeared to his brothers, and many say... We don't see when James and Jude, the Lord's brothers, became believers, but it's possible that they became believers after the resurrection when Jesus appeared to them. And so that would certainly be a a reason to change your mind, correct? If Jesus bodily appeared to you after you had seen him crucified, and he says, hey, bros, (laughs) I'm here.
1: I'm alive. Particularly if it's your own brother, because you'd be much more likely to, to doubt if your brother said that he was God, or if he said that he was something special. But when he comes back to... To to life after death. That's pretty hard to argue with.
0: Mm -hmm. And then the whole point that he appeared to over 500 people at one point, that eliminates the possibility of this being an individual hallucination. That's right. They weren't on some hallucinogenic drug. This is corroborated by many eyewitnesses. That's right. Last of all, the appearance to Paul. Now, Paul has a unique story. We don't have time to get into it. But he wasn't a believer uh, even to the first few years of the church. He was persecuting the church, as he talked about. He persecuted the church of God, but yet God's grace was abundant toward him. And Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Mm Mm-hmm. And blinded him and said, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus who you're persecuting. Uh, And he said, what do you want me to do, Lord? And he said, I'm going to send you to kings and to the Gentiles and you'll be a witness to them. And Paul spent several years in the wilderness receiving revelation from the Lord and then went to Jerusalem and confirmed with the apostles the gospel that he got through a spiritual revelation from Jesus himself was the same gospel that the apostles had been preaching. In other words, it wasn't man's gospel. It wasn't made up by men. Even though Paul wasn't the original eyewitness in those 40 days that he appeared, he knew about these appearances and he confirmed it in kind of a unique way. That's why he says, as to one untimely born, he appeared last of all to me stuff. Yeah, so that qualifies him to be an apostle, and I'm glad that Paul became an apostle because he was a fierce opposer to Christianity. And if Paul can get saved, who was formerly called Saul of Tarsus, if Saul of Tarsus can become Paul the apostle, then that gives hope for anyone, even the chiefest of sinners. As Paul says, God showed mercy to me as the chief of sinners, as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. So it had to be some powerful evidence and, and powerful revelation in order for these people to not only be convinced that it was true, but then go on to preach it and even die for this testimony. Amen. What other reason would they have to proclaim that Jesus died and rose again if they didn't get rich from it, they didn't get powerful from it? A lot of people will give that objection. Oh, they just made these things up in order to get multitudes to submit to them, to control the masses. They created this myth, but they died as a result of this. They
1: didn't get rich or powerful. (laughs) doesn't make any sense at all, particularly in the case of Paul. I mean, I've talked about this, as I'm sure you have. Paul had no incentive to believe in Christ if he wasn't actually real, if he hadn't experienced him. He had his own religion, he had intellectual respect, he had education, he had money, he had power and influence, or he wouldn't have been able to get these letters to round up Christians and throw them into prison. He threw all that away. Why would he do that when he had everything else that you could want from a human perspective? Why would he throw that away just so that he could be horribly persecuted for the rest of his life? And then killed.
0: killed. Let me try and uh, just skim through this and make a few points, Mm -hmm. and then we'll go to the objections that that are remaining. Okay. So, as we continue in 1 Corinthians 15, we see Paul as an apostle with the authority of an eyewitness, but also as a brilliant thinker and defender of the faith helps us to become more sure that the resurrection actually happened. And I think this is relevant to our audience in Santa Cruz and Monterey Bay Area, in Silicon Valley, because we're living in Mm -hmm. one of the most unchurched areas in the world. Why do we believe that there is a resurrection. I'll be honest about my presupposition. That is that the scriptures are the words of God, that they're inspired by God and useful for teaching and useful for correcting. So this is our most powerful weapon, I believe. The scriptures are like a sword and they could penetrate to our hearts and do surgery on our hearts. So if you have a hardened heart, please hear the scriptures, because this is actual evidence that we're presenting to you. Maybe Jesus is not going to appear visibly before you and say, hey, I'm Jesus. Why are you against me? Follow me. He's already done that. And I would remind you from... Luke chapter 16, when the rich man was crying out from hell, please send someone to my brothers to warn them, Abraham answered, they have the scriptures. If they don't believe that, then neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And so this is sufficient, I believe. Scriptures are sufficient to lead us to a true conclusion and belief in the truth that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. Let's just read it, and uh, I might not even need to comment on it. Dan, would you help me to read verse-by-verse, uh, verse starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, from verse 12? This is where Paul deals with the objections of the first century
1: against the resurrection. Gotcha. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead?
0: But if there is no
1: resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised.
0: If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Can we just read the whole chapter? Sure. I
1: won't have time to exposit this
0: verse by verse, so let's just read it.
1: <laughs> That's fine. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power.
0: For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet.
1: The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For
0: God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him.
1: When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do
0: people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf?
1: Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers,
0: by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, in our Lord, I die every
1: day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus, if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another.
0: There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of
1: the stars, for stars differ from star and glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. as was the man of dust so also are those who are of the dust and as is the man of heaven so also are those who are of heaven
0: just as we have borne the
1: image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven i tell you brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable behold i tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep we shall all be changed The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the
0: law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.
0: So that's the end of 1 Corinthians 15. And I think the overall big idea, main point of this chapter, is that since the gospel states that Christ died and rose from the grave, therefore there is such a thing as the resurrection of the dead. So since Christ is risen, we will all rise from the dead as well. And so there's a discussion of what kind of body you know, will the resurrection body be? It'll be like Jesus' resurrection body. He was able to walk through walls. He was able to ascend to heaven. I think personally that we'll be able to fly. (laughs) It's raised imperishable, so it's an eternal body. But there is still the question as far as like who and when are they are risen from the dead. And He says it'll happen in the right order. We don't yet see people risen from the grave. If it's a bodily resurrection, we don't see the graves opened yet. That is something we're still waiting for, the physical resurrection from the dead. But there's also the concept of that when Paul later in Philippians, he says, I desire to depart and be with the Lord. Lord, to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. As the Bible teaches, it's appointed for a man to die once, and then comes the judgment. I believe that the moment after someone dies, they will stand before God and be judged and sent either to heaven or hell. And so, if you believe in Jesus, when you die, your spirit goes straight to be with God awaiting the resurrection of the dead. Uh, So it gets a little complicated, the chronology of the resurrection from the dead. But the point Paul's making here is, it is a great mystery that this flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, but there will be a type of body that we receive in the resurrection that will be fit for the heavens and will live in that glorified body forever. One other side thought, uh, but it's important since I mentioned that th- that's what happens for believers. There is another resurrection for unbelievers, those who do not uh, have their names written in the book of life, and though they're resurrected bodily as well, they will be sent to the lake of fire where there's torment and weeping. And we don't want you to go there, my friends. We want you to be saved, so you need to believe in Jesus in this life because you will rise from the dead just as surely as Jesus rose from the dead, and. And you don't want to be kicking yourself for all of eternity because you rejected Christ. You want to make sure that you receive this salvation that Jesus came to give. So the eternal state, it's important. That's a million-dollar question, isn't it, Dan? Where will people spend eternity?
1: Indeed it is. There's nothing more important that we can think about or talk about than where we will spend eternity and how we can be right with God. And of course, because we're all sinners, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Um, none of us can meet God's holy standard. Um, There's nothing more important than what God has done so that our sins can be forgiven and we can be brought back into right relationship with him. Yes,
0: just to underline why we keep returning to the law, it says in verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. So, because our consciences are aware of right and wrong, we want to speak to your conscience and remind you that we need a Savior from our sin. Mm. But that's why it's such good news that Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for our sin and rose from the grave. So, verse 57, I'll close with this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, if you're a Christian, Paul concludes, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So, Dan, speaking of being immovable and steadfast and proclaiming the resurrection, you've faced all kinds of objections in uh, your time preaching this gospel. And have, yeah. What are some of the big ones that... are popularly believed, and uh, I'd love to hear your rebuttals of those objections, too. Thank you for that. I'll let you take over for the rest of the program here. How much time do we have? This is an important thing to close with. Do you
1: want to take maybe 10 minutes? 10 minutes is fine. I mean, I could go way into depth, but I'm not going to do that. I'll just touch on a couple of them. So there's a lot of objections that we hear to the gospel. (laughs) I just wanted to hit on a couple of the big ones that I think are relevant, and the first two in particular seem to to always come up at Christmas and Easter time. That's when the skeptics and the the atheists kind of come out to play and and they want to attack Christianity with everything that they have. But frequently those arguments are really shallow. So we wanna touch on those. The first one that I hear a lot is the naturalistic objection which is, well, Jesus didn't rise from the dead because, hey, dead people just don't rise. You know, the science can't demonstrate that something like that happens. The basis of that is everything that happens must have a naturalistic explanation, something that we can examine under laboratory conditions to prove that it's true. But when we look at it that way, there's an assumption. There's the assumption that naturalism, the philosophical idea Um, that everything must have a scientific or a naturalistic explanation is the default position. And that's something that we would strenuously disagree with.
0: By naturalistic, you mean... Nature consists only of physical things. that reality only consists of physical things that you can observe, test, and repeat, right? That's the scientific method. Correct. And since we believe in a supernatural reality mm-hmm. that you can't put on a physical scale, but that is the the source behind, how would you put how does a naturalistic worldview refute? a spiritual worldview, or doesn't it?
1: It really doesn't. It just dismisses it. It's it's because we can't quantify it using some kind of scientific tests. Most of the time, it's just dismissed. The idea that we fight against a lot when it comes to the truth of God and the Bible. The
0: idea is that that's a neutral position to take, that since they can't measure it with scientific tools, then it doesn't exist. That's an assumption they're making, isn't it? It is. It's
1: a philosophical assumption that that somehow um, the default position for all human beings is to deny the supernatural, to assume that everything has to be explained through scientific processes and just dismiss anything that doesn't fit into that into that box that they have they've created this box that they have to fit everything inside and god doesn't fit in their box so (laughs) they just dismiss them but that isn't the history of the world that isn't the history of humanity Uh, scripture tells us that god has put eternity into the hearts of men that all of us have an awareness of God and of, of something greater than ourselves. And there's a reason why mankind is incurably religious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not only Christianity, but we will find something to worship. Um, atheists and naturalists just tend to worship either the natural world or themselves. Um, but the worship is still there. So the biggest thing that I would say in that area is about the myth of neutrality. No one is neutral. We have our presuppositions. So does the naturalist or the atheistic materialist or anyone else. The question is, do those assumptions, do those presuppositions really hold water and fit with reality? And I would argue that they do not.
0: You're not rejecting science. We're just stating that the limits of science can only measure the natural, physical world, and Correct. that's as good as science gets. That's it. If you want to understand the spiritual realities, we need to look to God's revelation Absolutely. of what is real spiritually, and since God is spirit, you can't put God under a microscope.
1: No, you can't. I mean, to say that we can't believe in God because we can't test him scientifically, thats that misunderstands the question from the beginning, you know? By definition, God is not physical, therefore he can't be examined through physical processes.
0: Yeah. That's just the limitation of science. It's not the limitation of reality.
1: No, not at all. Science is a wonderful thing. I would argue that science only works because of the natural laws that God put into place. And only through a rational God can things like the scientific method even make sense? But that's a whole show in and of itself. We don't want to go too deeply into that.
0: Okay. What other objections do you hear on the streets besides the naturalistic presupposition?
1: Yeah, well, one of the biggest ones that we hear is the idea that Jesus was not real, but that the life and death and resurrection of Jesus is just something that was cobbled together from other myths— um, that existed at the time of, of the, the beginning of the church. So we hear this from um, movies such as Religious with Bill Maher. Um, there is a very well-known um, internet documentary called Zeitgeist that covered a lot of this, and it's a lot of the same arguments, that there's nothing unique about Jesus. Sorry,
0: I wouldn't call Zeitgeist a documentary. It's more of a conspiracy theory movie. It
1: really is. It really yeah. is. Only the beginning part talks about Jesus, and the most of the rest of it is political conspiracy theories. It's pretty bad.
0: Mm-hmm. So the second view, the second objection you're saying, is is this a very common objection? That it's just another retelling of uh, dying and rising gods that were stolen from, like, what other religions do you, well, they suppose it, this was stolen from? Yeah,
1: and I've, I've heard it actually a lot on the street. And, and I mention Zeitgeist not because it's a good, solid documentary, but because the ideas in it have taken such hold. You know, where people will just not even talk about the idea of Jesus, and it just becomes a kind of a throwaway objection. Now we know he was taken from other gods, so we can just ignore him. A couple of common ones, and that would be Mithras, Horus, and Dionysus. And of each one of these, people argue that they are just like Jesus, that... They That, like Jesus, they were born on December 25th, and they had 12 disciples, and they were born of a virgin, and he died for the sins of mankind and rose again. So I'm going to go through just each of those and, and show how these don't fit. Okay. For instance, Mithras is said to have been born on December 25th. History actually doesn't give us a, birth, a date of birth for him people will say that mithras was born of a virgin just like jesus no um, mithras historically was said to have either emerged from a rock or out of a cave as an adult Um, there what he wasn't even didn't even have a a birth in the traditional sense he was called the rock-born god Um, People will say that he died for our sins. There's actually no record that we have of Mithras dying. And if he didn't die, of course, he couldn't have resurrected. So the resurrection connection is gone. People will say he had 12 disciples. No, he had two companions, according to most of the history that we see. And then they'll say there was a sacrifice for sin, or, or thing, something like that, but, or a Eucharist where they took his body and blood. No, the only thing that is comparable there is he killed a bull, and they talk about a sacrifice for sin, but he did, didn't make a sacrifice for sin and certainly wasn't killed himself, but he killed the bull of creation, and they would, they would reenact that in their ceremonies.
0: Doesn't sound like Christianity stole from that myth. No, it didn't. And in
1: fact, Mithraism did not become well known until a couple hundred years after Jesus Christ, if I remember correctly. So if anything, where it's much more likely that they took Christian ideas and in order to make their faith more popular, imposed them or added them.
0: Yeah. And I would even say that they could have stolen from the Old Testament. Because, Absolutely. Because as Jesus said, it was predicted that the Messiah would die and rise from the grave. Yeah, exactly. Those prophecies were written hundreds to
1: 1,500 years before Christ. Yeah, it doesn't—yeah, there's there's no connection unless you're really, really reaching for anything so you can deny Christianity. So let's dismiss
0: that second—oh, uh, sorry, you wanted to go through Horus and Dionysus? No,
1: it's, it's okay. We really don't have time.
0: Oh. Horace and Dionysus, the same story. You can, if you do the research, you can see that there's no parallels. Correct.
1: Yeah, and I could go into much more depth about characters like Horace and Dionysus. Horus, not born of a virgin, born of Isis and Osiris. There's no date given for his birth um, or his death. So, or Dionysus, same kind of thing. I would encourage people to look into these things for themselves. and and really check out the stories because when you go from the internet to the actual documentation from scholars any connection between them disappears it really does
0: so you're saying dan we can't really trust whatever we read on the internet
1: (laughs) well i've often said that the great thing about the internet is that anybody can be an author but the bad thing about the internet is anybody can be an author and uh, and so the, the amount of false information that gets posted up there, particularly by radical atheists who want to do anything that they can to deny Jesus, I mean, there's so much false information up yeah. there. Go back to the sources and look for yourself.
0: Okay. What other objections? You had one third big, a big one that you uh, encounter from a third yeah. group.
1: Yeah, the third group is, uh, is Muslims. And of course, Muslims are becoming more and more common in the west you know many people that are are immigrating from from not only the middle east a lot of people don't realize that only a a small percentage of muslims actually believe in uh, or actually live in the middle east or come from the middle east they come from around the world the religion is spread widely and so we get arguments uh, about jesus crucifixion from muslims a lot and the Quran. Which of course was written 600 years after the Bible, has direct objections to Christian beliefs. Most notably, it says that Jesus was not killed, nor was he crucified, but it was made to appear that that had happened. So they deny the central tenet of the Christian faith outright. They say it didn't happen. Now, there's only one passage in the Quran that talks about that, but when it, I'm sorry, let me think again.
0: Does that mean that someone else died in Jesus' place? Jesus was
1: rescued? There are a couple of view? different that – is, that is probably the most common argument, is that they placed somebody else – or God, rather – placed somebody else on the cross in Jesus' place, or somebody else was crucified, you know, from the beginning in his place. So Jesus never actually died. But I I actually was in a discussion with a Muslim just this last weekend talking about this. And the problem is if Jesus was not crucified, if Allah chose to put somebody else, make somebody else look like it was Jesus and he was crucified, then it's all his fault that Christians believe that Jesus was crucified, because he's the one that put somebody else, put Jesus' face on somebody else. So
0: if God's to blame, then God's a deceiver.
1: Correct. Yeah, well, yes, it, it would it would indicate that God is a deceiver, but if God knows everything, that he, then he would have known that placing Jesus' appearance on somebody else would have started Christianity. So Christianity, which is, by their view, a false perspective, is the fault of Allah. That's an interesting rebuttal. I haven't heard that. Yeah.
0: But definitely the the book the Quran denies the resurrection of Jesus which the apostle Paul as we read says if he's not risen then there there is no resurrection and there is no hope. Correct. Those are the big three. You know, maybe I could turn and ask our listeners, do you have any objections Mm -hmm. besides the ones that we've brought up and tried to refute as best we can in the short amount of time we have? If so, please write to us at questions at dwellontruth.org. And we'd love to hear your objections. Why don't you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And we'd love to talk with you and hopefully convince you that Jesus is risen from the dead. For me, here's one more compelling reason why you should believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and that is, look at all of the people's lives that have been changed by Jesus Christ, starting with the apostles. Mm. Granted, as believers today, we haven't seen Jesus.
1: Not physically.
0: But I'm convinced by the eyewitnesses that, and by the scriptures that this is the fulfillment of God's plan, and this is the hope for humanity, that Jesus is risen from the dead, and that's how we have a relationship with him today, because he's alive. That's good news. Any final nails in the coffin, Dan? for the anti-resurrection
1: crowd? Only one. It seems to me that so many people that object to who Jesus Christ is and what he did in his resurrection, they're just grasping desperately for anything that will allow them to avoid the reality of their own sins and the truth that they're responsible to God and will give account to him one day. They're trying to to put up walls to keep God away from them. Well, my friends, God's gonna break through every one of those walls at Judgment Day. It doesn't matter what you think, and it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how much you try to deny his existence. His existence is clear. He's given you plenty of evidence. And he has also provided the only way to be free from your sins. So rather than trying to suppress his truth and hide your sins where he can't find them, he already knows them all. Confess them, repent, and throw yourself on his mercy as your one way to eternal peace. That's what we want for you guys today. Amen. And that's the gospel,
0: folks. That's the good good news on Easter Sunday. So we hope you have a happy Easter. Today could be the day of your salvation. Amen. So thank you guys for listening. For more information, go to oacnorcal.org. May God bless you as you continue to dwell on truth.